start by reading a scenario from someone who's written in about their son. Uh, she says, I'm looking for some advice. My five-year-old wakes two or three times a night with really bad dreams. Um, it's obviously very worrying for us and also doesn't help us with our sleep. Um, I don't know what's causing the nightmares or how to help him. Uh, can you give us some advice? Mm. Oh. That is mm. so tough. And I think the first thing I would want to say, and of course I'm speaking with... Our children were little a very long time ago, but I do remember the first time one of our children had one of these nightmares, or night terrors, as I think they also know. And it was really scary. And I thought, oh, what is going on? I had no idea. No one had really explained them to me. Yeah. But actually, I think the first thing I'd want to say is this is quite common and quite normal. So for anybody who is, is experiencing this, not to panic, not to worry, even though it does feel scary at the time. Yeah, I mean, it's very normal uh, to have very vivid dreams and children particularly have vivid imaginations and uh, they, they, there's all about sort of levels of sleep to which they're sleeping at and there's, there's work we can do to help them with their sleep. I think there are ways in which we can hinder parents um, as, as parents and there's ways that we can help. One of the ways we can really hinder is by over-reassuring and, and often a lot of the anxiety that a parent feels is actually about the child rather than about the situation that they're in. So they're already anxious, they've been woken up at night, and they sort of overreact to the situation. The best thing that a parent can do is actually help the child straight back into the same routine for sleep. That doesn't mean putting the child straight back in bed and turning the light off and saying, oh, good night. It might be going back to the bathroom, brushing their teeth again, helping them to the toilet, having a glass of water, turning the light on, and maybe reading a short bit of a story. And that might seem quite laborious, but actually what it does for the child is it triggers the same approach to bed that they'd experience maybe at six or seven o'clock in the evening. It's just actually it's happening at one or two o'clock in the morning. I think it's unhelpful to start talking through the dream or the meaning of the dream in the night time. So you don't really want to ask what was it about and what was going on? Or Absolutely, yeah, because actually what we're doing, if we, if we start, I mean, the child might offer information, but I think we should just need to be relatively dispassionate about it and go, oh, that's, that's interesting, oh, that sounds difficult. But actually now let's get into the next stage of our routine because actually we can actually add value to the dream so when we're like oh that sounds horrible as soon as you start empathizing you're making the dream more of a reality that's not to say you can't offer comfort you know you can hug the child embrace the child help the child if the child is tearful but actually it's partly about recognizing that this is you know this is now working off the imagination mm. and it's actually nothing more than that so normalizing it helps us to help them to re-engage with a normal pattern of sleep Whereas if we're like, oh my goodness, a terrible monster, a horrible clown, immediately we're sharing that fantasy yes. with them. And then suddenly they're thinking, oh my goodness, mum's scared as well. Now I'm really that, in trouble. That is key. Yeah. I think that was key. And I, it took a bit of time for, for us, really, Nikki and I, to realise that. And actually it's about us being calm and being confident that actually it's okay. It's not a complete disaster, as you say. But actually that takes quite a bit of sort of... Um, reassuring yourself and talking it through, you know, I mean, I just had to talk it through with Nikki the first time it happened and say, you know, what is this? I had mm. no idea. And actually then we got confident actually exactly what you say. And do we, do we need to be mindful about what they're seeing in terms of content or screen time or... Um, yeah. Does that have an impact on the kind of dreams that they're having or...? Dreams typically are made up of the experience of the day, things that we're actually unconsciously aware of. The danger of screen time is obviously that we are presenting them with multiple scenarios which are risk 
presenters. You yeah, know that yeah. my my son got into Power Rangers. Uh, now there are other brands, but um, you know, particularly fighting people fighting. They were very colourful costumes, which he really likes, and he loves superheroes. But we've we've helped him away from Power Rangers um, because we realised that actually the whole scenario is based on threat, the threat of the alien arriving and then, then the, the ability of the Power Rangers to overcome the alien. So it's basically creating a very distinctive threat scenario in his mind. And if, you, if he's experiencing that, then he'll fall into the fight or flight mode, which is our natural response to terror. We're either going to fight it or we're going to run away. And if the, that goes into your sleep, you're either fighting in your dream, or you're running yeah, away in your dream, yeah. and actually those two things aren't helpful for sleep. <laughs> so, um, you know, yeah. we, we we have to think about the content, but also we have to think about what we call pixelation, about the resolution of the screen, uh, and how that affects and stimulates our actual brains physically. And studies have shown that watching flat screens, particularly coloured screens, late at night, actually stimulates parts of our brains yeah. um, which aren't supportive of sleep. So I think it's all parents should be aware of that. No screens, at least an hour, yeah. preferably two hours before bedtime. So you can have that wind down time mm. without Absolutely. that. And I was, that was what I was just going to say. Um, Will mentioned this thing of a bedtime routine. And I think that's something that um, Nikki and I found more helpful than anything else in our parenting was to be very confident that actually a winding down re regular bedtime routine was so powerful for children and um, and it doesn't need to be complicated obviously it's challenging because the end of the day is the most challenging mm -hmm. time for both parents and child because everybody's tired and we realized that actually to have this routine gave you a framework and it, for us it was you know we would have their their tea time and then there'd be some play and then there'd be we would give warning five minutes time we're going to go up for a bath and then it was the bath time which was a certain time then it was into pajamas then it was a story time several stories i mean we would have sort of like three stories but we would have a sort of fixed expectation as to how many stories and then it was teeth and then into bed and then snuggling down and being with each of them um, and having a really quiet downtime and we would pray with our children last thing at night and and then and then turn out the light and go out and that became wherever we were a security a routine a ritual mm. that that actually is a very strong security for them yeah it's, I mean, it's, you're making it safe to sleep. Yeah. That's the thing, yeah. and it's that whole motif yeah. of it being safe to sleep. Even even if then your night is interrupted by a bad dream, the, the idea that it's safe to sleep for the child is what you're creating. I think you know, everything that Silla said, you know, it, it, it leans into that mm -hmm. sense that the child carries that actually their bedroom is a safe place. And it's important for parents to think about the environment mm -hmm. itself. Yes. You know, is it quiet? Is it dark? Mm -hmm. You know, is there a nightlight? Would that be helpful? Mm -hmm. And some parents find that lavender oil or a, a scent which the child associates with sleep can really help them mm. too. Um, you know, are, are, you know, are, is the linen clean and fresh? You know, are, are there toys 
is it accessible? Is everything there for them to feel like actually this is a safe place to sleep? I think there's things that we can do to help. There's nothing we can do um, that will stop our children having dreams. That is a reality. Yeah. But yeah. how we de-escalate that and how we create that sense of safety for the child, that will have a really big impact on whether or not this is a transient issue or something that ends up becoming quite a and recurrent it is. problem. That's the other thing to say, that in our experience, I mean, our children grew out of it. Mm -hmm. And they were not having night terrors at even, you know, 10. <laughs> so they will grow out of it. They will, yeah. Brilliant. That's really helpful. Thank you very much. And hopefully that will have um, helped our reader who wrote in with that scenario. Um, and if you're listening at home and you've got uh, tips or experiences of um, being with children who've had bad dreams or nightmares and uh, you've got some comments that you'd like to add, do go to our Facebook page. And also if you've got a question that you'd like to ask the Parent Talk pod, um, then please do write in and let us know. And if we use your question, uh, we'll give you um, a copy of Catherine Hill's fantastic book, If You Forget Everything Else, Remember This, Parenting in the Primary Years. But uh, it just leaves for me to say thank you very much to Scylla and Will for joining us. And uh, we will catch you again next time. Goodbye. You have been listening to the Parent Talk podcast for the primary years. For further information about our courses, resources and events, please visit us at careforthefamily.org.uk.